yo. If you want to skip ahead to where we specifically talk about politics, head over to the 27 second mark of the episode. Hi, welcome to For the Culture Canada, the center point of art and entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Deepak Batty, and today I have something a little bit different. I'm, of course, interviewing a musician. However, he's also running for city council. He's quite well established here in Kelowna and quite well known. You know, every person that I talk to that I say I'm interviewing their, this person, they're like, oh, yeah, I know who that is. Yeah, I'm, of course, interviewing Jeff Piatelli. He is a great musician. He's had his music on, you know, motion picture soundtracks. He's had his music on the radio, you know, very, and he's played lots of different live shows. And I'm very, very excited to have him. I've known him actually for quite a bit now, but this is the first time we get to actually like sit down and Spend chat together. Spend some quality time. <laughs> yeah. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. No worries. You had a, you're having a busy day so far, so we'll keep this concise. And uh, what I want to do is that I want to divide this interview into two parts. The first part will be about the music, get to know you a little bit. And then the second part will be the politics. Okay. So, uh, first of all, let's start into this. Jeff, where did you grow up and uh, how did you get to the place that you're at now? All right. So, uh, I'm born and raised in Kelowna and uh, I love the city so much and it's such a beautiful city and I feel so thankful to have uh, lived here and just so many great memories. And um, as long as I can remember, I've always had uh, a really deep love for music and I've always it's always been a big part of my life. And, uh, if you look through my baby book, actually my parents, right when I was born, uh, were hoping that I would take an interest in guitar, which is funny that I end up to be a, <laughs> a musician who plays guitar. So it's kind of cool. Um, so yeah, I've spent, I'm all self-taught with my guitar playing and my singing and I've done, uh, like without a joke, I don't say this weirdly, like probably almost a thousand live events in my life. Like I've played so many live events and spent so much time playing guitar and I just, I still just love it so much. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's my thing. It's what I like to do. So, yeah. When you did know. you exactly start? So I've been, uh, so it's kind of a long story with me. I don't know if everyone really fully knows this. I mean, I guess we might as well get deep if we're going to do this, Let's right? Dive in, man. Uh, so, you know what, when I was younger, I had a bit of a tough time in school just with, uh, kind of fitting in, I guess you could say, excuse me. And, you know, through that, you kind of, it, it's kind of a weird thing to, to go from being on that side of things. And then, you know, that kind of drove me to get really good at music. And it, because I almost felt like I didn't really have much else at that time at a young age. And so at about grade seven was kind of the turning point for me. So I actually, I moved schools when I was in grade seven, which for me, when I look back is pretty crazy because I don't necessarily love change too much. Like, you know, I like to kind of have my thing. So when I look back, I must've really been in a, in a tough spot. And, um, so I moved schools and you know, here's me, I'm, I'm kind of figuring myself out at that age and, um, feeling, you know, like not my, my best self. And then I start playing guitar and I met, uh, this, this friend at, um, this new school I went to. And this kid, when I look back, he really, he really turned my life around in so many ways. Um, it's funny how you, there's people you meet in your life that at the time you don't really realize their importance. Um, uh, it's Devin Kyle for those, uh, shout out to Devin. So he, he loved guitar and we had a great bond right away and we became really like really good friends. And that's where my, my love for kind of guitar playing and music went past its kind of, uh, infancy stage, you could say. And that's when I really was like you know, I can find like-minded people who are my friends and we can play music and I can go from being someone who doesn't feel like cool and feel like I feel fit in. And again, not that that's the only reason I did it. That's not why I did it. I, it's just what led me to that. You know what I mean? Cause I felt like that was my outlet. And as I got better at music, you know, you slowly start and you know, it might sound kind of, kind of lame, but you know, as I got better at music and kind of more in touch with people, then all of a sudden I am starting to fit in more and I am feeling more confident and I am kind of, so that was just like a downward or not downwards. That was like a, just kind of got the, the ball rolling for me. You know, you kind of gain some confidence, you find something you're, you're good at. And, uh, so long story short, all through high school, I, you know, I was that guy who I literally rode the bus with my guitar. I play a guitar at lunch break. I, I, uh, I'll never forget. I opened up the air band at KSS in grade 12. So I played just me and my guitar in front of, I don't know, like, it had to have been probably close to 500 people. The whole gym was wow. full, right? Was so that you your could, first gig? That was like my, so I just was telling this story to someone like when I think of that moment, I get, 
I get so emotional because it was such an incredible turning point. I'll never forget that image in my entire life. Like I can remember the song that was playing right before I came on. And it was just kind of like a moment for me where I had gone through so many, so many downward moments in my life. And I had fought through so many things to get back to feeling like I wanted to be, I wanted to be, cause I've always wanted to be the best. Like, you know what I mean? And I've always been competitive and I hated not feeling like I was worth anything. And so for me, that moment when I like spent all this time playing guitar and got my name out and then I was offered this spot and I walked up on that stage to a full gym of people who are like my critics, my peers, my friends, it just me and my guitar. And I played and like, that was for me the most life-changing thing. And it just gave me such a fire under me to, to keep it going. And, um, it's kind of a long answer, but I feel like it's important just with my, with my story, right? Like this is what has led me to where I am. And whether it's music, whether it's drawing, whether it's acting, whether it's photography, you know, find something you enjoy and, you know, the happiness that that brings you is going to bring happiness in other areas of your life. And, um, for me, I just found that I was always so rewarded when I invested my time in music as opposed to like wasting my time, you know, doing this or doing that. You know, I was using my time productively and it was paying off the point now where like, I'm so thankful that I get to call it a career now because I, I did enjoy it and I did put in the time, uh, you know, my whole life to get to this point. So long answer, but, uh, you know, I feel like it's really cool for me. Like I'm super proud of that. Like I'm super proud that I was able to kind of overcome being that kid who was kind of the outcast and, and work my way into, into feeling like, you know, I, w- I was part of something and, and belonging. So yeah, it's, uh, it's been really cool, man. It's been life changing. Like I, uh, everything, everything I have. And I mean that honestly, like I met my current, my girlfriend who, and we have a child, we just had a child together, uh, couple weeks ago and we met her I met her at a live music event that I was playing so it's like everything I have in my life that I'm thankful for I I have because of music like through music and it's just amazing how how that all goes you know yeah 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 music is a wonderful thing right it unites people in so many incredible ways yeah now if you were such an outcast and you felt so sort of like Oh, you know, you didn't feel like you felt you fit in all that well what made you love the city as much as you do. So, you know what? I think that's what's given me an appreciation for the city is that from that point, and again, I, I'm not perfect and I, I've had, you know, times where I wish I would have acted differently, but I feel like on the grand scheme of things, I've always tried to include everybody. And like, yeah. because I knew, I knew what that felt like to not be included. And I knew what it felt like to kind of be depressed and be just like feeling like you had nothing to really. So now, you know, when I look back, uh, in high school, all through high school, when I was starting to like kind of flip, flip my life around, I always took the time to talk to people who I felt were like kind of feeling how I felt back in the day. And I, and I've always just wanted to make them feel special as well and important because it's tough seeing people around you, maybe doing things that you want to be doing or, or feeling like you're not uh, comparable to them. Like it's awful. And so I to answer your question. I, I want to give back and I want to be a voice for people that I am close with and that I care about. And, you know, I'm not in it for anything besides I want to make a difference in the, in the community. And I think that, I think I really do have a story to tell and experience. And I think people don't take me seriously, but if they could see in my life, I've, I've overcome a lot of a lot of things that could have really set me on a different path. And I've, I've always come through and worked hard to, to come out on the other side better. And uh, I think I can use that to, to help the city. So yeah, a hundred percent. And in terms of like coming through to the other side, you've actually accomplished something that tons of people in the city want to achieve, which is actually making what you're doing, what you love, you're, you're living, right? Like that's something incredible. You're doing that with your music. Tons of musicians here want to accomplish that, which is really incredible, man. I got to commend you on Thank that. You. Yeah. 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 And what, and you said you did that two years ago, you made that decision, right? Yeah. So I was, I was balancing, uh, I was working in, uh, bartending kind of like managing job as well as playing music. So I was really busy for a while and well, I'm, I'm always really busy, but for a while, like I was crazy busy. I was like, you know, I'd work all day at the bar and then I'd go and play, play all night. And, uh, you know, that work ethic and not saying no and like, not, not saying no, like, you know, you want to play events that are, are good for you and your image. But, you know, I always made an effort to, to be the best I could and do, do my best, uh, work. 
And yeah, so the last two years I've done nothing but music. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you about like your albums that you had put out um, when it comes to like, okay, so you had put out an album called Listen In in 2008. And yeah. you know, the troubling thing about it is that like, it's not available anywhere. Like I had to like really like search for it to find it. Like, why is that? Oh, really? Where'd yeah, you go? Yeah. So like, okay, so if you go on to like Spotify, if you go on to like um, Bandcamp, if you go on to like different websites like that. You have you have listen in on MySpace, but you don't have it on those other websites. You have your next album, um, The Waves, Waves yeah. on there, right? So it's like yeah, uh, I have the acoustic stuff on my Reverb Nation, which is kind of, I think, just because I, I I wanted to showcase my newer stuff, and right. uh, which is funny though that you say that because a lot of times when people are booking me, they they kind of want to sample my acoustic stuff. Right. So just the other day, I sent them like one one of those songs because, like. I, I really truly think without as humbly as possible as this, I really <laughs> I really feel like for where I was at in my life and like my age, yeah. like that that first album I did was really something special. I I really think that and I think I still listen to those songs and I'm just like amazed that I that like those thoughts were even in my head. Like I feel like it was really ahead of where I was at in my life. And right. uh so like, you know, sometimes maybe you are hard on yourself, so I maybe hid them or I don't know, whatever the reason, but I guess to answer your question, I will Make them available on all platforms. <laughs> yeah, because I know that, like, when I heard the first song, it clearly struck to me, like, it set the tone for the album that it's a very biographical album, right? Yeah. Like, the first song you talk about yourself, you're talking about how you want to, um, you want to be that guy, you want to be the guy that, like, makes music and doing his thing, and then you you exactly did that, yeah, you know? Yeah, it's pretty which crazy. Is, which is sick, which is super sick. And then, uh, as you dr- jumped into the waves in 2017, it was nearly a decade after your last album came out, uh, you really really matured in your sound right like it's it's so much more varied in terms of like how you play the instruments and everything like that and just it's really cool to see your growth go from there to there uh in terms of like your mindset and recording and writing what was it like between the first album and the second album uh so i think there was actually another album in between that um yeah there was it was a it had a couple kind of like updated versions and some newer songs um, I think that was 2012 when I put that out. It, w- it wasn't like anything too crazy, but I, and I've put out kind of like individual songs throughout that time. Like mm-hmm. otherwise it seemed like a pretty big gap. Um, so the writing process for that first one, I was, I don't know. It was uh, to touch on that air band thing. Like that whole phase of my life, writing those songs was like, uh, it's like a scrapbook in my mind. Like I'll never, sometimes I'll walk outside and like certain days will remind me of certain days when I can remember writing like beautiful things, which is, you know, if you're a Jeff Piatelli fan, which hopefully we got a couple of you out there, (laughs) uh, probably one of the songs you enjoy. So it's like, it's cool because for me, especially, especially taking into account my story. Mm -hmm. And when I wrote that album, I had just like, it was like I had climbed and climbed and climbed this mountain and I'd finally like hit the top and like seen the light in the back. Like it was just so unbelievable because I was writing these songs that I couldn't even believe I was writing. I was just like, like the words were so, it just was like, so my own style. Like I remember, I remember when I was in, like I was like 16 or something. I remember my, my, MySpace had like 25,000 streams or something. And like I was a kid in high, and like, you know, nowadays it's not anything crazy, but that was like pretty much at the infancy of that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, for a 16 year old kid, I thought, wow, within my area, 25,000 times people have listened to these songs. And I remember I took a lot of pride in that. And I just, it was just like a combination of kind of coming into my own and, and like this growing love for music. And, you know, like I had mentioned, I'd always had my guitar with me in, in high school, like always. When I look back, I can't believe how much people like put up with me playing guitar, <laughs> honestly. So it was cool. Like I just had this, so many things going on and you're, you're young and like, you know, so many things in your life at that, at that time, you know what I mean? You're, you're experiencing things for the first time. And I just felt like looking back, that first album was like a really cool kind of like snapshot into my life at that time. And, uh, I'm really proud of it. I really am. Hell yeah. yeah. dude. And then like this newer stuff, I, the, the stuff I released recently is, uh, you know, going for a little bit more, I don't want to say mainstream, but like a little bit more of like something that could play on the radio. Mm, yeah. You know, like, a little, like full band and, and a lot more kind of uh beat and rhythm to it. But uh, it's just a different thing. Like I really appreciate my early songs for 
the lyrics especially like I, I to this day I don't know what came over me of that spell I just was like really in my own style of lyrics and like writing and uh and then as my older stuff I think like my guitar playing really came through like my just like you know how I like to play guitar and like kind of a little more bouncy kind of uh riffs and stuff so like I was kind of taking more of that kind of approach with the with the second stuff but I was actually uh you know I think people think that I don't write a lot uh when in fact like if you were to go I've spent you know there was times where months I, every night I was spending hours with like my loop pedal writing songs like I have literally thousands of voice memos on my phone of of things that honestly I still sometimes will go back because there's there's things that are like really amazing in my in my phone I just haven't because of everything kind of the route I've taken with my business and music I just haven't really developed those fully like I spend a lot of time writing and like I'm always you know I, I think I have a really good sense of melody and you know I don't just play covers as maybe some people might think and Especially now, like when I play, when I play now, I'm, I'm really, uh, I really like the direction that my, my kind of set has, uh, the direction it's come is because I do a lot of kind of breaking between instrumental upbeat, kind of like R&B guitar with my own originals and then some like, you know, covers people know, and it kind of keeps everyone happy. Like you got yeah. the covers you want to hear. I get to play some originals that I wrote and I get to like have fun playing guitar and and honestly, the guitar playing, people seem like the guitar playing almost the most. And that's what's really cool is like for me, I've spent, you know, they say you have to spend 10,000 hours on something to, I don't want to say master, master, it, master yeah. but like I've I hit 10,000 hours a long time ago. So it's cool. <laughs> it's cool when, you know, I, I went and played this event for like 400 people this, this week. And, uh, you know, I freestyled a two hour set, like just one thing into the next, like smooth transition, like a DJ, but I'm playing everything live. And like, I'm thinking of it on the spot in my head. And like afterwards I, I said to Angie, my amazing girlfriend, shout out to love Angie. You, Angie. <laughs> uh, I told her, I was like, you know what? I'm pretty, it's pretty cool. And I'm pretty proud of myself that I can go up in front of that many people and like professionally put together a set, like as I'm feeling it. And like people are digging it. Like I, so many people come up and say how much they enjoyed it. And for me, that's kind of like my mark of like my, my craft. Like I've spent enough time where you put me in front of anyone and I'll entertain them, you know, and I have something to offer for everyone. And I think that that's, what's allowed me to do music full time is that I've adapted. And I started out like, you know, playing a lot of slower kind of G chord songs and that's great. Like you have to, and there's nothing wrong with continuing to do that. But for me personally, I just found in order to encompass a wider range of events and in order to be as busy as possible, I needed to learn how to do like, you know, the upbeat, cover shows or the background jazzy guitar gigs or you know a mix of the two and and through that like my playing has just reached unbelievable levels in these last few years because i spend so much time playing like i you know i today for example i'm i'm playing at uh rotary center for the arts from five to seven and then i go over to the el dorado and play eight to eleven wow so just today and like i spent all morning playing guitar so not all morning, but like, you know, I picked up my guitar for sure a couple times as I had a few minutes this morning. So just today, I'm going to be spending over five hours playing and singing guitar. There you go. Some some people don't even spend that in a month. You know what I mean? And they're trying to yeah. learn. It's like, for me, my, my knowledge is just so rapidly growing because I spent so much time and like I'm so in tune with my, with guitar and, and you know, I'm living it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's my advice to anyone. If you want to do something and excel at it, like you have to live it and you have to truly love it and and want to do it in your spare time and and it's the only way you're gonna take it to that next level so yeah 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 and by the way you addressed on something that i want to really really tell you about um you said you have over a thousand voice memos dude um have you ever heard of music memos uh the app yeah Oh no! Okay, after Uh-oh. this interview, I'm gonna, I'm mind blown, just, dude. I for re- no, I oh, not yeah? even kidding. Music memos for any musician is the best shit ever. Oh, how have I not heard of it? Oh man, I don't know, man, but I'll show you. I oh, promise. Okay, I'll check it out. I'll check um, it out. But I wanted to actually ask um, for your advice for anybody that's a musician listening to this. How do you break through and become a musician that's living on your music? How do you do that? What was your process like? So. Uh, Again, uh, a lot of a lot of being successful or reaching that next step in anything is being prepared for when those moments kind of come your way. And uh, 
I have been doing this for a long time and I've been obsessed with playing guitar and I've lived music for, um, you know, 15 years kind of thing. So when I was starting out before money was like a concern to my life and I just loved, and I still love playing music obviously, but like when I just was in it because I truly would just love playing music and like I was learning about it and I was a kid, like I would do any event that was offered to me, right? Like whether I was getting paid, whether I wasn't, I just like wanted to get out there. And because I, you know, I spent a good couple of years just doing that kind of thing, like not really getting any, uh, you know, reward or anything. I just did it because I wanted to do it. And I put in the time and, you know, I, I spent, uh, I was just having this conversation when he was asking me this exact same question. And, uh, there was a lot of times, like, I wish I could keep track of every email I've ever sent in my life. Like, I think uh, uh, that's why it bugs me when people kind of want to pin me as, like, Mr. Cover Guy, because they have, like, literally no idea of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes for me to be able to play music full-time. Yeah. And, like, the amount of stuff I'm doing all on my own. Like, I don't have anybody working with me. I'm doing all my booking, promotion, all my maintaining business relationships, you know, buying all my gear, learning everything myself. Um, and But because of that... I've now made myself into a reputable person, I think. And now someone that people can trust, like they can hire and get the result they want. So uh, to answer your question, it's like I put in a lot of time hitting the pavement and a lot of time like paying my dues. And again, I rode the school bus every day with my guitar in my hand. Like I, this wasn't something that I developed overnight. And it's something that like, you know, we took our photo. I said, I want to hug my guitar for the photo. Like I used to fall asleep with my guitar. Like I've, it's part of me. And for me, I just, I I put in the work at the start. I wasn't worried about what I was getting back out of it. And because of that, and because I was doing it in a professional manner, slowly I was getting offered gigs that were paid gigs, you know? And like, this is what I tell people. And it's not that you can't do and I encourage you to do stuff for the community and to, if you have a great cause that someone wants you to play for or do whatever else, like do it. But once you start on your path, and especially if say it's music and say you start making money with music, you need to keep somewhat of a consistency. You know, so if someone asks me, you know, what do you charge for a wedding for this many hours? And then I give them a quote and then someone else emails me and they say, you know, what do you charge for this? And I'm off. Like I give a different quote. Now all of a sudden I'm held accountable for like, well, why is it different for like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. why is it less or why is it more for me? So my point is like, once you start on that path and you've kind of proven your, your worth and you know, you have something to offer, like, and you start making some money with it, your goal should always be to keep that going and like to keep improving that and keep that number. And again, greed is not good. And greed I've learned in a lot of ways you don't want to be greedy because greed will ruin your chances of doing anything for work. But uh, within a, you know, multi, uh, how do I say this? There's two people in a business relationship. So you want to make sure that both people are happy. If you want to continue to get work, like you can't be gouging people because you think you're hot stuff. And, uh, you know, so I think for me, a lot of times people, they'll ask me like, what do you charge? Like, how do you get to your quote? Or how do you kind of like gauge that? And there's a lot of factors. Like, you know, I have 15 years experience behind me. You know, I, I'm bringing all the gear that I'm bringing with me. So there's a lot of things that kind of like are part of this equation to how I end up charging someone. But the way I was able to get in a point where I can charge people is that, you know, I, I put in the hard work and I, and sometimes people think like I host a lot of uh, open mics and stuff and I, it's kind of tough. And this is something that I think I maybe I just think about and like, maybe it's just in my head, but I, I've honestly thought about it. You know, I host these jam nights for people who want to come and kind of like up their game. And thankfully I've hit a point where like I can do this for work. So sometimes I wonder if people like almost don't want to come out because they don't want to like su- not support me, but like they don't want to like, help me out any more than like, maybe I already feel like I'm getting helped out. So they, they don't want to come out to my open mic or my jam night. And maybe that's totally in my head and that could just be me. But where I'm going with this is I've seen people who aren't like that, who come out to my open mics or a open mic or wherever this jam night could be with anybody. And they show up the first night and they leave or they develop into someone completely different by the time that process is through. And I've seen people who, 
who were equally as talented, who weren't doing music for work, but they showed up to these jam nights and put their time in and honed their craft and like made some contacts to the point now, now they are getting paid gigs and now like things are going really good. So you can't look at it like, and again, I hope it doesn't sound bad. Like I don't want, not that I judge people if you don't come to my open mic, but I feel like don't do it out of like spite for someone. Like don't better yourself out of potential spite because you think someone else is like doing okay or good or whatever, you know, we all have our own struggles and, and you got to put in the time. You can't look at it like anything more than that. And you can't be like, Oh, well, I don't want to help Jeff. Cause you know, I want to be there, but I'm not. It's like, it's not about that. Like I mm-hmm. you come out and like, let's, we're a team to get you better to like, to make you feel like you can go out and do what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I mean, you know? honestly, dude, though, I don't think people are going or not showing up to like spite you or anything. Right. No, and Like, I, I think that people, there's lots of different factors when it comes to, cause people that go to open mic nights, they're often quite young and they haven't had very much live experience yet. And you know, artists are sensitive people. Like, yeah. you know, you're, you are, I am and blah, blah, blah. And so, um, and for the, for the people that are doing it for the very first time, they often are scared. They're, they're nervous or whatever and so that's intimidating you know the crowd for the first time that's, that's intimidating true. That's true. and everything like that you know people often have also conflicting schedules and blah 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 but the thing though you know what man you're like since you're such a facet in this community like people regardless of um what you might think you are a objective facet in this place that if people want to look at music your name will be mentioned because you are a, a very good candidate for a cloud crowd pleasing um musician right yeah. like you make music that is very uh pleasing to lots of different kinds of people you know it's got like the very john mayer type sound to it which i'm sure it's not the first time you heard yeah, people say that so i'm going for yeah, yeah yeah and so and so like um you know to see somebody that's sort of a little bit more of a community leader as a you know a, an actual musician that lives off of your work in Kelowna, i think that provides actually quite a lot of uh sort of guidance for people that want to start out doing what you're doing you know what i with this whole city council thing, I could just keep doing this music. It's like, I'm happy with either outcome. And I'm also just thought that this was a good opportunity for me to try to make a difference and, and, uh, be a voice. And if it doesn't work out, then, you know, at least I tried and I'm thankful that like my music is at a point where I can still keep doing that and, and things are great. And I've got a, a awesome family at home and honestly, life is really great right now. So I'm just, I'm just happy with, with everything, whatever happens, I'm good with. Yeah, 100. Yeah. percent And when it comes to your city council stuff, there are three issues that you said you wanted to tackle. One of which is the Kelowna travel, so the transit system and everything like that, the homelessness, and also affordable housing. Yes. So in terms of like the Kelowna travel, there's two options that you can go about doing this. There might be even more. You know, you could think of various different things. But one of the issues that people find here is that a lot of the through traffic, like you know, just um, you know, semi trucks and like things like that. People just going through the city kind of congests it, you know, for the local traffic. Um, or you could also say that like, there's just not enough roads in general to allow people to go through their day. So, I mean, in terms of options, do you have any particular ideas of what we could do to sort of like better that or better even the, the public transit system here? Yeah. So I think this, there's a multiple different factors to that, um, problem or solution, however you want to, however you want to word it. But as far as the congestion goes with the the traffic going through the town, um, I honestly think that I know, I know the highways aren't, we're not in control of the highways, but I think with the right steps, we could uh, make changes. Um, I personally think that we have so many lights. Like if you go from the bridge out to, uh, you know, like Sexsmith area. Yeah. There are so many lights and like so many stops and it's, it's hard to get any kind of flow to any traffic, whether it's like passing or, you know, uh, from our residents. So I personally feel, um, and that's not just for the highway, by the way, there's other roads where I feel like the, the crossing, uh, or the intersecting road is a very, um, underused road that we're, like taking up the space and a light for, for the people where 90% of the traffic is going the other way. Right. So in my opinion, like you go to a lot of big cities or bigger cities or on the route to, to cities that have kind of a nice flow to them. It's, you have your main highway and you have your exits with like the overpasses, right? Mm -hmm. You know, overpasses obviously are going to take some, some money to build. Uh, so maybe that's something you think about after, but I do think that eliminating some lights and having it as more of like an exit, 
uh, system. And then, you know, if you're on the intersecting road, you just take a right to go back on the highway. If you do that, instead of having like a stoplight, I feel like there's a few spots where taking out one or two of those, or, you know, maybe more would maybe increase the flow of things a little bit. Um, besides that, I know everyone's wanting to, to look for kind of greener solutions with transportation. And through speaking with some of the residents, um, I was speaking with a gentleman the other day who is in a wheelchair and, uh, you know, people like us, I maybe take for granted how easy it is to, to get around. And he was saying how, excuse me, how a lot of the sidewalks are kind of poorly built and like really kind of uneven and don't make him really feel that safe when he's trying to, to traverse that. So, you know, that's something that we don't really think about that much, you know, and I started thinking about it. Like if I had to get around a cologne in a wheelchair or on a scooter, how would, how would I feel like how, so, you know, he had a really valid point that some areas, I think we need to take a, another look and, and kind of, um, improve those sidewalks and maybe allow, that's not, that's not for the, the grand scheme of things, but obviously there's a, a section of our residents who are struggling with that. And I think that that's important that we, that we look after that. Mm-hmm. And also our, our transit system is awful. Like, and I don't mean that in any disrespect, but it's, you know, I hear so many stories of people being early for their bus stops and the bus has already left. Like uh, we already have a pretty minor transit system, I think for what we need. And we can't have like a schedule is a schedule, especially for something like a bus. And when people are relying on that to get to work or whatever. And again, I've been kind of stressing how everything is so intertwined. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you know, like, so say you miss the bus and uh, I have a couple friends who don't drive, you know, that's just because of choice of where they're at. But you know, they take, you take a cab and you're, you shout out like 40 to a hundred dollars, depending on where you're going. And, and for someone who is already to, to relate to this point of being intertwined, we're trying to find affordable housing and ways to, to make living here more manageable. You know, it starts with this bus being here on time to pick this person up so they don't have to spend $50 to get to work. And then, you know, I mean, it's all like it, we need to help our residents out and give them the best chance of, mm-hmm. of you know, making a means. And, and uh, they're, they're working hard and we yeah. need to give them the means to we need to do our end, you know? So when I hear people who like these students who are like, yeah, you know, I'm 10 minutes early for my bus and I miss my bus. It's like, well, like that's not acceptable. We, we need to have bus drivers be accountable. And, and I, I just say that because I think that's a nice um, cost effective solution to like maybe help things a little bit is like kind of get a little more reliable of a transit system. Maybe we add a couple more buses or increase the, the time that they run. Um, you know, little things like, I, I truly think that the taxi industry needs a little bit of competition. Like, I don't know how anyone is supposed to take a cab all the time, but yeah, unless mm-hmm. you're a millionaire, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was just going to say, like, even on weekends, you know, on like a late, late night when you're trying to find a cab, they're very hard to find sometimes. You know what I mean? Like, honestly, I was just in New York City. Getting an Uber was an incredible experience. I genuinely believe that having an Uber available, Uber-like system here in Kelowna would be fantastic. Yeah. You know? You know what? You shouldn't be paying 40 bucks to drive five minutes up the road and back. Like, and my friend just paid that the other night, and I... You know, my eyes popped out of my head. I said, you paid what? Like 40 bucks. Like some people can drive for a week almost on 40 bucks, depending on what you're driving. You know what I mean? And it's, yeah. So that's one solution. You know, we've added some roundabouts, which I think are effective and help. Um, That's kind of as far as the traffic goes. I think, uh, you know, we are confined to a fairly small space and Mm -hmm. we've kind of gone pretty far to make anything too drastic of a change. But there are some things I think that could uh, help that along. And to touch on the other two points. Um, so the other one was the homelessness and the other yeah. one was also the affordable housing. The affordable housing, yeah. So uh, the homeless thing, as you could imagine, is a very complex issue. Um, yeah. And there's many things to take into account when trying to either like move a group like that or deal with them or give them help. There's either going to be a lot of money involved with you know uh, potentially building a new... Um, whether it's like a safe injection site or somewhere for that, them to, just to get help. So uh, I just know that they're, they're planning on building something on the Agassiz uh, area, which is actually just, it's not too far from here. Right. So they want to build like a residence for people. And after speaking with the mayor, it's not even for like 
Um, and I, I don't, I don't mean this at all. It might sound poorly. Like it's not for the lowest of the low. And I just mean like people who are potentially a harm to other people around them. I mean, he was explaining how it's for people who are kind of like just almost back on their feet, but need like a little bit of help. And I think that's great. I think Mm -hmm. it's, you know, some people sadly are kind of past help and that's just the reality of it. And I think that spending too much time, we, we, in my opinion, I want to focus the time on those who truly want to help themselves and get better. Yeah. And, uh, so where I was going with this two parts, two parts of this. Um, so the people surrounding that area are all unhappy because, Mm -hmm. You know, obviously there's a stigma with those kind of people and I'm not saying, I think I'm just saying in general, like obviously people seem to think there's a stigma with having that kind of group there. So running for council, I've received numerous emails of people kind of expressing their, um, you know, they don't want that to happen. They don't want their, their child to feel unsafe. They don't want the businesses to kind of suffer. So it's one of those things where no matter where they go, someone's kind of like, you know, why are they, why are they here? And Sadly, that's just kind of part of the problem, and, and so we're going to have to just kind of accept that, and, and we got to give them somewhere. In my personal view, Kelowna is a very tourist-heavy town, and we rely a lot on our tourism. And if that's the case, our downtown core needs to be safe. It needs to be very um, clean and got a really nice, welcoming image to it. And I think uh, if there's a way to ethically move these people and give them a new start, uh, maybe away from the downtown core. You know, you look at Leon street, Leon street is completely unusable right now. It's full of empty buildings and you know, it's right by the beach. It's, it's almost one of the most prime spots in the whole city and it's literally abandoned. You know, we can't have that. We're wasting valuable real estate, uh, and with no results, you know, yeah. and, and not to keep going on here, but I, I want to touch on the idea of uh, safe injection sites because it's kind of a relatively new thing that I've been kind of researching and, and my views on it are, you know, I was speaking with a lady at the college uh, a couple of days ago and we were talking about this and she said, well, what about those like old residents who have done drugs their whole life and they don't really have any other, um, like pretty much they don't have any hope of getting better kind of thing. Right. So, you know, we need to give them a place to a safe injection site. And, and I agree that harm reduction is obviously a good thing, but I also think that if we're going to be spending money on these sites and like giving these people this place, we should be trying to take people in who are genuinely wanting to get better. Like we don't, I don't think we just take people who have given up and okay, well here, like do your, do your thing here. And like, it's all good. Like, I feel like, you know, we should be motivating them to try to get better. And if we're going to spend the money, you know, let's make it effective and let's not, and again, everyone's human and everyone deserves to be treated with respect. But if they're not wanting to, to sh- put the effort forward to get better, then, you know, maybe we just let them do their thing. I don't know. That's just my personal thought. You know, it's a touchy subject, but I truly think that it starts with you. And, mm-hmm. and if you want to make a change, you have to do it. We can definitely give you the resources, but you know, let's deal with people who are in that mindset, you know? So yeah. I agree with you on the safe injection sites. I do think they're a great idea because what they also do is that they provide people with first aid care available for them. So if there's somebody that's going through like an overdose or anything like that, or even a fentanyl crisis, you know, it prevents death by having uh, Noxalin kits available for them to get better with, you know, versus, you know, doing it in some alleyway, they, you know, take fentanyl and then they, you know, they pass away, unfortunately. Right. You know, you know, a lot of these people have families, right. And unfortunately mistakes happen happen so having i agree with you on the safe injection sites for sure yeah and like and and again i can't i don't i want to stress again that everyone does have family and everyone should feel like they are part of something and you know i i just think obviously i don't want people to to hurt themselves and like obviously i don't want them to to spread hurt to anybody else i just think that if we're if we're going to be funding places or potentially like building a place or whatever else let's try to like get some results out of it like you know let's yeah, it's a safe place for them to do it, but hopefully we can have some help for them as well mm-hmm. to like, maybe they don't need to do that anymore. So again, it's such a complex issue. And, uh, I just think that we need to come together as a community mostly and be, you know, I said with, uh, with Clona now in my interview, I played music my whole life. And as I told you earlier, I've known what it's like to not fit in and not feel like you're, uh, have anything to offer. And I know what it feels like to like, feel like part of the community and feel like you, you know, have something to offer them. And I feel like it's such a life-changing thing when you feel like you have that purpose 
And, uh, you know, it starts with everyone around us and making everyone feel like they are, are just as good as the next person, you know? Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely. And then, uh, the additional topic that you wanted to, Ooh, actually, before I get into that, I wanted to say that, uh, were you, um, have you heard of the journey home, um, action plan that is uh, being laid out currently? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about it so far? Well, I think that, you know what, giving anyone some help. And I think that having these, um, some of them nonprofit or some of these organizations in town that don't really get the funding that they need. Like there's a lot of people who are, I think already trying to help this issue. And a lot of time, uh, like in for the cold member is, uh, they're almost like facing being, uh, not even a thing anymore. Right. Like, so that's a huge, a huge asset for these people that we're kind of taking away. So anything that we can give them, that's going to give them either like a place to live or like a roof over their head or support. Um, you know, I'm all for any of that stuff. Uh, we need to try something. We can't just, we can't just ignore them and shame them and anything else, but hundred percent. Yeah. I think that for those of you that don't know, the journey home action plan is a five-step program that actually involves community members from various different types, organizations, government agents that come together and actually form a very strong solution to what is going on with all the uh, homeless people. What they do is that they provide a housing system for people that are chronically homeless or people that just need a little bit of help. And they're currently actually looking for an executive director. If in case you know anybody that is good for that position, there are applications online that you can sign up for, but they have meetings ongoing and they're planning on, they're going through this transition process up until the spring. And then afterwards they're going to put the plan in, uh, in motion. So, so uh, it's a really great idea. I think it lines up with what you're trying to do, Jeff, with the, uh, you know, remedying the homeless issue, because, of course, every person deserves a home. They need to have, you know, a roof over their head and everything. And so I think um, I think with your goals, it'll line up quite well. Yeah. And it also helps out then the affordable housing thing as well, because it creates affordable housing for people that can't get it. But um, that is one issue that you did want to um, address with what you're doing. Were you thinking like maybe creating... Do you think that more homes that are just, um, you know, in apartments would be a better solution? Like building more like dense apartment buildings in Cologne is a better solution? Or do you think that maybe something along the lines of like more homes uh, just in Kelowna in general? Well, as someone who uh, was an owner of a condo unit and was pretty much unlawfully uh, told I couldn't stay once I had my child... Really? Um, yeah. So that's the whole other story. But, uh, where I'm going with that is I've kind of realized that condos are great. You know, the condo was great for me when I was just kind of like by myself, but you know, you hit a point where sometimes you might need more room and don't get me wrong. Like if you can, if you can buy a condo, great, but sometimes there's a lack of like more than that in Kelowna. And a lot mm -hmm. of it, we just think we can build these like little 300 square foot condos. And I guess it's, you know, I understand it's supposed to be affordable housing and I realize it's supposed to be kind of cheaper, but I also think that, you know, maybe we build, I know they were speaking about doing a uh, multifamily unit housings, right? So like, or maybe you do more of like the, like the duplex kind of things or where it's more of a, I maybe a smaller house as opposed to the, the condos. Cause I feel like I know for me, my whole life was turned upside down because I had to kind of figure out a backup plan. Uh, cause I wasn't planning on that. And I didn't realize that that was going to be going down. So for me, you know, I could have, thankfully it worked out, but I could have been in a very tough situation if everything I'm looking at is a million dollars or whatever. And it's few and far between, you know, it's a pretty serious thing when you got a kid on the way and, and, uh, you know, you're starting a family. So you want to have some kind of security. And I think that again, you know, these those little condos are great and they, they serve a lot of people, especially with our, our university and our students. I think it's, it's awesome for that. But, um, you know, there's older residents as well who maybe have families who, who maybe want to own a home one day, or, you know, they want to kind of take that next step. And, I think there's a lot of, yeah, I live in Glenmore right now and Glenmore seems to be right at that point where it's about to flourish. And I really think there's a lot of, um, potential to make it like a great area and mm -hmm. as, as, as well as other places in the town, like we have space that we, I think we can use. Um, it's just about giving, you know, whether we give incentives for people who are going with that same goal as us and trying to provide that for our residents or, 
you know, we charge people more who aren't doing that. You know, we got to find some kind of way to try to funnel it a little more in that direction. Um, my other point with that is it's also tough when you live in Kelowna because it's such a beautiful desired city. That's always going to be, you know, there's always going to be people flocking here. And the reality of it is we can definitely take steps to help. Um, but it's, it's a little tougher when you have such a desirable place where there's constantly people from out of town coming to visit and it's, you know, it's a little bit trickier to, to manage, but I think there's definitely a few steps we could take to, um, to combat that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Uh, and the thing about Kelowna too, is that it's such a, it's such a interesting city in that it's kind of looked at as a small town but it's also growing so rapidly Crazy you have fast. different cultures from you know like you know uh, nigeria and australia and lots of different people that have initially i hadn't seen like 10 years ago here and it's amazing to see and i just wish that you know Kelowna would sort of more so go into a transition phase that ultimately ends up being a more uh it sort of does act more like a big city yeah. versus you know kind of what it's doing now you know what i mean well, and this is the whole dynamic of all this. It's like I've been I've been stressing that what turned Kelowna into that and what's given Kelowna that potential to make that flip are our homegrown people. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that people from outside haven't made an impact, but like you know, our farmers and all these other stuff who kind of started Kelowna, mm-hmm. you know, they're who what made they're the heart of the city in a lot of ways, and they're kind of like what what gave us our you know our agriculture and everything else. Like, it's such a of high importance in our, in our city, like our wineries and everything else. It's, it's so crucial to how we operate. And I think that, um, you know, we definitely need to, we don't want to lose touch of that, but we're also at a point where, like you said, the facts are the facts. And like sooner or later, we we can't deny that we're going to be turning into kind of like a bigger city. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's, it's finding the balance between, you know, you don't want to feel like you're just, uh, this is such a tr- tr- tricky topic because no matter how you put it, it's like I just want everyone to be taken care of, and as much as I want everyone from everywhere else to also be taken care of, you know, not hopefully just not at the expense of the people that have kind of like put their blood, sweat, and tears into Cologne. I guess mm-hmm. is where I'm going. Not that anyone's better than anyone else. I just it, it's just tricky to like maintain that happiness through everyone, like the people moving here and the people who have lived here and are trying to kind of like maintain what they've always known. So it's it's tricky and it's really, and I think that we can make that switch. And I think that Kelowna has so much to offer and we have so many amazing things that draw people to our city, uh, year round. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it's not impossible. And I think if done right, we could be such a superstar, you know what I mean? Within, within everywhere. And I, we just need to kind of clean up a little bit of our image. I feel like our image has gotten a little away from us, like with just, like everyone seems to be, you know, I don't want to touch too much on that. They're partying, all that other stuff. Clean up our image a little bit, grow the city in a proper way. And I think that we have a lot of potential to really, to be great, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So. If there's one thing that you could accomplish with Kelowna, what would that be? You know what? It's tough. I just, like I said, my whole thing from the start was I want to, this might sound cheesy and I'm not trying to say that I'm, anyone who's like inspirational, but I truly want to inspire people. And like this, all this political stuff is kind of political stuff, but at the heart of it all, like I walked through with you at the start of the interview about how my life has had a lot of kind of like different phases in it. And a lot of times where I, I had to really dig deep and really figure it out how I was going to get back on the path that I wanted to get on and be who I wanted to be. And I know, I know a lot of people who I know that they have that in them and I know they do. And I know that they just, sometimes you just got to see someone doing that or like taking that step or like, you know, I've had some people say like, you know, Jeff, I really admire that you just like you entered this and like you, no matter what the outcome you said you wanted to do it and you did it. And like, and I've had other people email me like, uh, this one buddy of mine who it's funny because I really looked up to him when we were working together and he, he, uh, sent me a message a couple of weeks ago saying how my work ethic with my music and like everything I've been doing, he's like, I want to tell you that watching you has totally inspired me. And he had ended up going, taking a certain uh, class at his university, like something that he had kind of been iffy about, but he was like, you know what? Like watching you do what you've been doing and just like trying to step up and do these things. He's like, I went and did it. He's like, I want to thank you so much for, so for me, like that one person, 
Yeah. That one person was enough for me. Like I just, that's, I don't care about, it's not a popularity contest. I don't care about like, you know, that's not important to me. I want people to look within themselves and feel like they have the power to be the better version of themselves. And I'm just trying to show that I've had ups and downs, but I've always kind of like come out learning the lesson and trying to improve and like not go through that again. And same with this council thing. It's like, I want to step out of my comfort zone and push myself and learn about something that I'm interested in and something that I think I could do a good job of, you know, but I just took that leap. You know, I, I, you can think about it, you can talk about it, you can do everything else. But I think that's my main message is I want to get on council to prove that when you put your mind to something and, you know, if you just kind of take that leap of faith, you can really do a lot, whether that was with my music, you know, whether it works out with this council thing. Um, I've never been afraid to try to better myself and learn. So that's just my goal. And like, I don't want to have a political goal because I feel like that's, what's ruining politics. Like what happened to just being a, a good person and, and trying to like, that's, what's important to me. Yeah. I want to be a good person and include everyone and everyone feel like they are special and have something to offer. And that's, that's the most important thing. So yeah, hundred yeah. percent politics is a very, very complicated issue nowadays. And, uh, honestly, Jeff, I could talk to you for hours and hours and hours, but to respect your time constraints, I will end the interview right there. Thank you so much for being a part of the show, man. I really appreciate it. Thank a you lot. for having me. It was a great time. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. That was Jeff Piatelli. He is running for city council uh please vote for whoever you feel is most fitting to your needs and uh, please follow jeff piatelli on facebook instagram twitter i believe you have a twitter as well yeah yep all at jeff mostly, mostly facebook and uh, instagram or mostly facebook and instagram <laughs> <laughs> yep absolutely and make sure you follow us at for the culture canada podcast on all major streaming platforms don't forget to rate our show if you like it and also Please follow us also on Instagram and Facebook as well. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it a lot. Have a great day, y'all.